Amen. Thank you so much, Portraits, for leading us in worship. And I want to invite all our first through sixth graders to uh, come to children's worship with Pastor Susan right here on this side. I know you've already enjoyed singing to God, and now you'll enjoy some further worship. I want to take just a moment uh, to thank you, church, for your love uh, during this time uh, this last two weeks, or really this last 15 months, where uh, I've experienced the loss of my sister and my mother, and then more recently my dad, I want you to know that your prayers and your text messages, your cards, everything you've done has meant so much uh, to me, and uh, I feel loved by you, and I love you too. So thank you for that. Speaking of love, February 6th on a Saturday, um, my wife and I went to the McAllen post office and I had packed in a little box some of the snacks that my father likes from, from here, from the borderland. Um, and uh, I packed them with a little Valentine's card and put it there um, to be shipped to his home in Gainesville, Texas. I thought about calling him, but I said, no, I'd rather him get it and then call me that he's received it. Um, so on Sunday, as I was driving to church February the 7th, I was thinking about him and, and I thought about calling him uh, before church and I said, well, I, I'll just call him after church uh, because that way I'll, ha I'll have more time, I'll be more relaxed. And, and so I, as I was thinking about that, I left church after preaching the three services and I tried to call my dad and, and he didn't answer. And so I texted him and, and he didn't answer. And, and I, I tried again and, and I began to uh, realize that something might be wrong because he's very quick about answering calls and texts. And, and so I knew people in that town and I made some phone calls to go check on him and they knocked on his door and, and there was no answer. His truck was there outside. So um, finally, uh, after some doing, we uh, they opened the front door. It was unlocked and and they found that he was fully reclined on his recliner and had passed away, uh, not sure when, but he passed away in his sleep, which is uh, perhaps the way he would have wanted to go. He had a cardiac condition, and so perhaps he was taking a nap, and he went into the Lord's presence. Next day, my wife and I made our way to, uh, to Gainesville, Texas. We made that long drive to make funeral arrangements and then um, to go through his apartment. And that was really a hard thing to, to think that that's where he lived, that he would never be back there to look at the recliner where he passed and, and uh, just wondered how his last moments were and what would have happened if I would have decided to actually call on Saturday and making decisions about the stuff and not really that we want his stuff, but I know he would have wanted us to keep some of his stuff. And, um, and I remember the package that we had mailed him on Saturday and went to check the mail and, and, and it hadn't arrived yet. It hadn't been enough time. And so I was checking the mail and my wife said, do you think we should leave a forwarding address? Now, for those of you that don't know what that is, a forwarding address is when you when you notify uh, the post office that you no longer live there and you give them another address where you can receive the mail. And my wife was wondering if we should do that. 
And I thought at that moment, my dad has already arranged for a forwarding address. He's already in his final home. He's already in his final destination. And that's the title of today's message, a forwarding address. Perhaps you'll indulge me if I tell a couple of stories of my dad. We're in the final stretch of, of Paul's ministry and, and as he comes to this point uh, that we will read today, he makes a fateful decision, a decision that uh, decides not to go back and, and, and really would be considered sort of a forwarding address kind of decision. And I want to invite you to open the scriptures with me in Acts chapter 25, beginning with verse 1. And it reads like this, three days after arriving in the province, Festus went up from Caesarea to Jerusalem where the chief priests and the Jewish leaders appeared before him and presented the charges against Paul. They requested Festus as a favor to them to have Paul transferred to Jerusalem for they were preparing an ambush to kill him along the way. Festus answered, Paul is being held at Caesarea and I myself am going there soon. Let some of your leaders come with me, and if the man has done anything wrong, they can press charges against him there. After spending eight or ten days with them, Festus went down to Caesarea. The next day he convened the court and ordered that Paul be brought before him. When Paul came in, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him. They brought many serious charges against him, but they could not prove them. Then Paul made his defense. I have done nothing wrong against the Jewish law or against the temple or against Caesar. Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and stand trial before me there on these charges? Paul answered, I am now standing before Caesar's court where I ought to be tried. I've not done anything wrong to the Jews as you yourself know very well. If, however, I am guilty of doing anything deserving death, I do not refuse to die. But if the charges brought against me by these Jews are not true, no one has a right to hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar. After Festus had conferred with his counsel, he declared, you have appealed to Caesar, to Caesar you will go. That is the faithful decision that Paul makes. I appeal to Caesar, the Roman emperor. And Festus says, well, if you've appealed, then to him you will go. That will be your forwarding address. Now, when do you need a forwarding address? When do you need to make arrangements to have a new address given? Well, the first one of the characteristics or, or one of the reasons why you would need a forwarding address is when, when you know where you're going. You can't give a forwarding address if you don't know where you're going. You have to decide where your next residence is going to be. Choosing your next residence is of utmost importance. Paul knew where he was going. Paul understood his destination. And that's why he could appeal to Caesar. Paul had been arrested in Jerusalem. He had been brought to trial in Caesarea when Felix was governor. Felix had heard him out but didn't do anything about it. He left Paul in prison two years. Now a new governor had come uh, to Caesarea. It was Festus and, and the Jews wanted him to try 
Paul in Jerusalem and and, uh, and and Festus says, no, we'll try him here in Caesarea. That's, that's where I'm governor. And, and he convenes the court to hear the case against Paul. The Jews who are accusing him of all kinds of things have no basis, no evidence for their accusations. And Paul offers Paul, Festus offers Paul to, to try him in Jerusalem. This is a senseless sort of uh, unjust and ill will offer. So what are Paul's choices? Paul doesn't have a whole lot of choices. He, he, he's not getting a fair trial here. He's being offered a trial back in Jerusalem. And so he appeals to Caesar and he does so with confidence. I want you to notice the level of confidence that Paul has throughout this narrative. There is no guarantee that the emperor is going to rule in his favor and yet Paul appeals to him. Why? Why does Paul appeal to Caesar? He appeals to him, first of all, because he knows where he's going. Two years earlier, when Paul had initially been arrested in Jerusalem, the Lord appears to Paul and makes a promise. He tells Paul in his most difficult moment, in his most difficult trial, he says, take courage as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. That's God's promise to Paul. You are not going to stop your ministry here. Your ministry will continue on to Rome. And Paul remembered that promise. Even though it was two years later, not only did he remember it, but he believed that promise. He believed that God has said, you will be a witness to me in Rome. That means Paul was not supposed to die in Festus' court. Not today, not here, not now. God has a promise for me. God has set my destiny before me, and I know it and I believe it. We ought to know and remember God's promises in our difficult times. I know they've meant a lot to me during these days. When God has promised you something, whether it was a year ago or two years ago or 10 years ago, he's able to keep his promises. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will not. God's promises have no expiration dates. Amen. I have a short memory. I don't remember sometimes what God said to me yesterday, but he does. I don't remember what God might have said to me last week, but, but he does. And he's a man of his word. He keeps his word. Paul knew where he was going. He knew that if God had promised to make him a witness in Rome, that God would make sure that would happen. But more important than that, Paul knew his ultimate destination. Not only was the appearance of the Lord in Jerusalem giving him the promise about Rome important, but there was another appearance of the Lord on the road to Damascus that was even more important. On that road to Damascus when the Lord appeared to Paul and, and Paul understood that Jesus was the Christ, that he had come to die for his sins and that he rose from the dead to give him a new life. When Paul trusted Jesus in that moment, his new destination was set. His ultimate destination was set. His ultimate home address was defined. This last week we observed the third anniversary of Billy Graham's passing, the famous evangelist. Billy Graham said something when he was alive. He said, someday you will hear or read that Billy Graham is dead. Don't you believe a word of it? 
I shall be more alive than I am now, I would have just changed my address. I would have gone into the presence of God. Billy Graham understood that. That whenever he would pass on this side of eternity, that ultimately he would be at his final home. In 1962, my father was a college student in Monterey, Mexico. He had two friends, and both of them had heard the gospel before my dad did. My dad had grown up in, in a church environment, going to church and hearing about God, but he'd never heard the gospel. He, he, he never had been presented the message clearly of the gospel. And his friend, Sylvester, on January 1962, took the time to to share the gospel with my father and to tell him. My father had been feeling a tugging in his heart that something was missing, that, that, that there was something more that, to life. And, and so when his friend shared the gospel with him, it resonated with my dad's heart. The fact that Jesus had gone to the cross to die for his sins so that he could live a new life. He believed that. And he prayed that prayer in that moment, sealing in that moment his ultimate destination. And my dad was so excited about that that he went back to his other friend, Carlos. Carlos was a, a drummer for a rock and roll band. And, and he said, hey, Carlos, you know, Sylvester told me about Jesus and, and, I, and I want you to know that, that I prayed. And Carlos said, yeah, I know about that. And my, my dad said, did you know about Jesus? And he said, yeah. How come you never told me about him? And it was convicting. But that moment when my father believed his ultimate destination was set. You get a forward address when you know where you're going. See, following Jesus means choosing a destination. And we choose a destination because God has chosen us first. We love him because he loved us first. I am so excited about what has been happening at one weekend on Friday night and Saturday with our students, students from BT and First McAllen and First Edinburgh and Calvary and other churches gathering with all of the social distancing and mask and all of the COVID restrictions and yet the Spirit of God was not restricted because 50 people chose their final destination in Jesus. You also get a, a forwarding address when you're not going back. You know, you can't get to your future destination if you keep making U-turns to your place of departure. You can't run to the finish line if you keep crawling back to the start line. Paul's decision to appeal to Caesar was a decision not to go back home. Jerusalem might have been considered the home field advantage. Rome was not the most sensible way to go, but uh, he was venturing into the unknown into an empire that did not know him, did not owe him anything, and did not guarantee him his life. But going back to Jerusalem was not an option for Paul because the Jews wanted Festus to take Paul to Jerusalem, not to give him a fair trial, not because they were concerned with the truth. The Jews wanted Festus to take Paul back to Jerusalem because they wanted to ambush and kill him, and Paul knew that. Festus wasn't interested in justice either. He was interested in political expediency. He didn't care about Paul. He didn't care about his life or the outcome of this trial. 
He just cared about his approval ratings with the Jews. And so he offers to try him in Jerusalem. Not only did Paul know that the Jews wanted to kill him, but he understood that this was illegal and, and that he needed to be tried in a, in a Roman Empire court. He says that in verses 10 and 11. I'm now standing before Caesar's court where I ought to be tried. I have not done any wrong to the Jews as you yourself know very well. Festus, you know I'm innocent. If I ever am guilty of doing anything deserving death, I do not refuse to die. But if the charges brought against me by these Jews are not true, no one has the right to hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar. For Paul, going back home meant a senseless death. Now to be honest, going on to Rome might have meant death as well. But Paul was not gonna volunteer to be killed senselessly and without purpose. If he was gonna die, he was gonna die fulfilling God's purpose of being a witness in Rome. It's not that he was afraid to die, it's that he understood that his life had to live, be lived for God's purposes. Is that he understood that sometimes going back is not what's best for us. Sometimes going back is harmful. Sometimes going to what is familiar is not what is best for us. If going back means picking up the, the old habits, the old patterns, the ungodly behaviors, then we don't need to go back. I saw a young girl tweet this week uh, something. She said, please don't ever go back to anything you had to pray your way out of. And I thought that's wise. That's wise. Following Jesus means choosing not to go back. Your past should be a point of reference, not a place of residence, right? Let it be so. I learned a song from my parents when I was a kid. And it went something like this. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. About a year after my dad trusted Jesus as his Savior and Lord, he was a student at the University of Nuevo Leon in Monterrey. He was studying to be a mechanical engineer. His father was a chemical engineer and owned a company, uh, a factory of paints in Monterey, Mexico. And so my dad's future was either in, in chemical engineering or in inheriting my grandfather's factory. But my dad had this sense that God was calling him to full-time ministry, that God wanted him to dedicate himself full-time to sharing the gospel and to making disciples. And so my father made a decision to, to set his eyes forward to full-time ministry. He married my mom, he packed his bags, he abandoned his engineering career, and any opportunity to be in management for my grandfather's factory, and he headed to Mexico City and rented an apartment right across the street of the University of Mexico, so that every day he would cross over and he would share the gospel with college students. And then if they trusted Christ, he would disciple them. They would come over to our home and they would hang out and they would grow in Christ. And then when they became professionals, many of them became uh, pastors and leaders and church planters. Because when God calls you to fulfill his purpose, you can't go back. 
You need to go forward. You arrange a forward address when you're not going back. Choosing to follow Jesus is choosing not to go back. And that's how you can live fearlessly and that's how you can die fearlessly. One of my dad's favorite scriptures was from Philippians 1.21 where Paul says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. You can also arrange for a forwarding address when you have nothing to hide. You know, people who are running from bill collectors, they are not forthcoming with their new address, are they? If they're trying to get away from the law, they're, they're not really happy about posting their contact information on social media because they're trying to hide. You see, but living with integrity, living with transparency brings a kind of peace and a kind of satisfaction. What an incredible blessing it is to have nothing to hide. What a gift it is to live in the light. Look at Paul in verse eight, as he stands in confidence before his accusers. Then Paul made his defense. I have done nothing wrong against the Jewish law or against the temple or against Caesar. Paul was completely innocent, regardless of the accusations, regardless of the hate, regardless of the assumptions, regardless of the prejudice, he was innocent. And that's why he could stand confidently before Festus. That's why he could appeal to Caesar, because he had nothing to hide, nothing to be ashamed of. Not because Paul was perfect, but because grace had conquered his life. Because on the road to Damascus, he had experienced a forgiveness that gives you a new beginning, a forgiveness that empowers you to live a life that honors God. Paul was willing to face his future in Rome because he had nothing to hide. His confidence was in Christ. His confidence was in grace, a grace that produced integrity in his life. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't sinless but he experienced the powerful grace of God. You know, God's saving grace is God's sanctifying grace. You trust God for salvation and forgiveness and you trust him to make you a person of integrity, to build your character. You die to yourself daily so that Jesus can live through you. That's what Paul tells the Galatians. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live, in the body, I live by faith. You know, it's not by trying harder. It's not by being more religious. It's not by keeping more rules. It's by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When you know where you're going, when you're not going back, and when you can live with integrity, then you can have a forwarding address. People may judge us unfairly. The world may decide whatever they want about us. Lecrae tweeted this week, he said, hold your character tightly and your reputation lightly. It's more important that you know that your character is right than what you, other people think about you. See, if you know that you can stand before God's throne, before God's judgment throne and know that you can be confident in his grace and his forgiveness that has saved you, that you can be confident that you have walked in the light and in integrity, then you can stand before the emperor, 
that you can stand before those who accuse you falsely, that you can stand before those who, who raise rumors about you, and it won't matter that much. Following Jesus means living with integrity. Recently, a well-known Christian author and apologist, after his death, uh, there's been much written about him because it's been discovered that his, his ministry and life were plagued with abuse and secret sins. And, and it's been a difficult thing for young people and for others who have admired him and followed him. It breaks our hearts when someone has lived in such a way and has taken advantage of their ministry and their position. Not only because of that person and their testimony, but for the sake of the gospel to an unbelieving world. And more than that, for the victims who suffer the abuse, we hurt for them. We hurt with them. I'm aware that I'm a sinner. I don't have the right to cast the first stone because I'm not without sin. Following Jesus does not mean that we are sinless, but it does mean that we can live by grace with integrity. As Christ followers, it is possible for us to fall into sin, but we don't have to wade in it. It is possible that sometimes we, we, we step into the shadows, but we don't have to live in the darkness. The scripture invites us to live in the light. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, 1 John 1, 7, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sins. When we sin and we confess our sin to God and to each other, to, to people that are close to us, that's walking in the light and the power of, of Jesus and his blood takes place in our lives and cleanses us before it gets worse and worse. Listen, our sins will be exposed. They'll either be exposed to our shame by someone else or we can expose them before God to receive grace and forgiveness. I wanna do the latter. I want to do the latter. They have to come into the light. You can arrange for a forwarding address when you have nothing to hide. That's what Paul did. Following Jesus means living with integrity. Integrity is brought about by faith through grace. It, it is that second part of that song that says, the world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back, no turning back. Paul made a decision at Festus's court. It was a decision that was shaped by his encounter on the road to Damascus. Paul appealed to Caesar because he loved Jesus more than anything else. We sang about that earlier. I have decided that I want nothing else but all of you, Jesus. For there's nothing better than you, we sang last night. That's what Paul believed. That's what he lived. You can have 
a forwarding address when you know where you're going, when you're not going back, and when you have nothing to hide. Following Jesus means choosing your destination, choosing not to go back, and choosing to live with integrity. That's what Paul did. Paul decided to follow Jesus. He decided not to go back. I'm so thankful that my dad decided to follow Jesus. Because of that, I know Jesus. And one day I made that decision. What about you? I'm gonna ask portraits to come back and lead us in a response song. And I'm gonna ask you to stand in a prayerful mood and be in prayer about how you will respond to the message of the gospel. Have you decided to follow Jesus with abandonment to never turn back and to live with the understanding that if your destination has been set by Jesus Christ, then the journey will also be shaped by him in integrity and holiness because of grace. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Paul. Thank you for my dad. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the spirit of God that empowers us to become your children and to grow in that. Now, as we respond to your word, let your spirit speak to us and let us be obedient in Jesus' name.